Amen. But I'm thankful. I, there's, there's just a lot of uh, head colds and, and congestion and things like that going around this year right now. And um, uh, sickness happens. Uh, I'd like us to pray for a few, though. Sister Medea is out today ill, Sister Ruby as well. If you know somebody that is sick and needs prayer, would you just raise your hand? I would imagine it's several of us. Sister Escobar? Brother Escobar as well. Amen. Can we just pray for them? Lord, I pray right now through the work of your spirit, Jesus, that you would go and visit each one of these that are dealing with sickness right now, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I take authority over infirmities, God, that are afflicting those bodies right now. Lord, I loose your spirit to work in them. I pray healing for them today. In Jesus' name, I pray strength to them. Strength into their homes, I pray right now. In Jesus' name, yes, Lord. Touch Brother Escobar, Lord. Touch Sister Medea, Sister Ruby, Lord Jesus. God, I pray visit them with healing today in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. I want to start in the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 26. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. And amen. Thank the Lord. I give honor to Bishop and Sister Schoonover today, our other elders, and to all of you. Thank you for being here. Amen. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. This is probably not anybody's favorite verse in the Bible. After we read it, you might see why. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, thank the Lord that wasn't our text last week on Mother's Day. Just... The, the Lord said some things that if we probably labeled them, some might sound radical, and this is one that sounds pretty radical if you just take what he said, and, and then there's a, there's a, at this time, there's a multitude of people around him, all right? This is not just him to a small group, just him to his few disciples. He's saying this to the multitude and he says, if, if a guy's going to come to me, a man or a woman's going to come to me to try and follow me. And if here he uses the word hate. If they don't hate their mother, their father, their sisters, their brothers, their own life, then they cannot follow me. And that's, again, it seems quite strange for our Lord to say that, one of the things we teach children is, no, you're not supposed to hate. You don't, you're not supposed to hate anybody. Don't say, I hate you. You know, that's a, we don't, we don't talk like that. The fact that he includes there at the last part, his own life, to me, is a little bit of a, a, a clue or a key that it's not just about emotional I, I have to love Jesus, so I guess I have to hate everybody else. No, you don't hate people, you know, just because, oh, they're a person. And the Lord said, I got to hate you. So sorry, you were my best friend, but I need to be a Christian, so I guess I got to hate you. No, I want you to just keep reading a little bit here, if you would. Verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, Jesus is going to give an example, a parable here. He's not transitioning away from what he just talked about. He's going to explain why he can look at the multitude and say, you, you got to hate your mother, your brother, your father, your sister. You got to hate them. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first 
and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. You're not just going to start this awesome project, construction project, without first thinking, how much is this going to cost me? Do I have enough to do this project? I told you he's explaining what he just said in the previous verse. You, don't, you can't go to, he said, if a man comes to me, you can't go to Jesus and be like, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my new favorite. I want to, he's saying, hang on a second. Do you realize that this is going to cost you some stuff? Because you can't tell me I'm your new favorite and then go back to your boyfriend or your girlfriend and say, but you're still my favorite. You can't go back to your children and be like, oh, but you're my favorite. It's counting the cost, okay? Now keep going. Verse 29, lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. The guy that decides to build a, a tower lays the foundation and then says, well, that's all the money we had. So we got a great foundation here, but I guess we're done. No, he says people will mock him if he does that. Saying, verse 30, this man began to build and was not able to finish. People will mock you if you profess to be a Christian, a Christ follower, but you don't have an understanding of putting him first. Now, I don't do what I do because I am either afraid of or okay with people mocking me. That's just... That just happens. But he's giving us here an understanding of, don't say you want to be like me. Don't say you want to follow me. And then, oh, I didn't see this coming this quickly, but don't go straight to social media and change your status to Christ follower. Don't start posting and sharing all these scriptures and videos of, of sermons and all, all this great stuff professing that now you're a Christian, now you're like Christ. That's just like laying a little foundation, and then a week later, you're nothing like that anymore. Oh, my taste changed, my desire changed, this issue came up, this situation arose, so I'm not like that anymore. What's that going to do? People are going to look at you and say, that person is unstable. They, they, they profess this, they think this, but they don't really have the life that backs it up. They're not living what they're preaching. Now go down, if you will, to verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Now, I, I wanted just to see that and, and, and get that little bit of understanding first because I feel like a lot of what the Lord wants to talk about today has to do with family and relations and relationships. And I, I trust me, you won't find a bigger family proponent than me. I love my family, my wife, and my children. I cannot say more than anything. I want to, but I just read you a verse that says, if I say that, well, I just stuck my foot in my mouth. I love them more than anything except the Lord, more than the Seattle Mariners, more than hunting, more than a good steak or fries with extra salt. I love them more than I love anything except the Lord. And I believe in families. I believe in strong families. I believe in Christian family, Bible-based family units. That is, it ought to be, it should be the strongest unit in the earth. 
because it is, it should be, it ought to be God-ordained. I'm not going to take the time to, to try and go through scriptures with all this, but there's a scripture that says the head of every woman is the man. The head of every man is Christ. And then you get down to a, the family outline, the family unit, but it starts with the man. Everybody say it starts with the man. The Lord really, really convicted me about this just before service as he was showing me these scriptures because we say, that, well, the problem with society is the eroding of the family unit. You know, sons don't have dads to look up to. All, all that stuff. And we say, well, that's what's wrong with the world is that we don't have proper families anymore. I've heard that. I've said it. To an extent, I do believe it. But if I'm going to say that it starts with the man, that's talking about a, what's the term? It's talking about a family unit that's just a family. I am talking about a Christian, a God-based, biblical family. And a godly family does not start with a man. It starts with a godly man. A godly family starts with a godly man. You can't, well, we got the husband around, so we, we're... We are on our way to being a family. No, if the Lord doesn't get a hold of that man and make him a godly man, this family will not be, cannot be a complete godly family. And further, I will tell you, the problem with society is not that we don't have enough family units anymore. It's that we don't have enough godly families Can I take it a step further? We want to say marriage is between a man and a woman. It is. I believe that. But what is a godly marriage? A godly marriage is between a godly man and a godly woman. I am not so bent on promoting and propping up the institution of marriage that I believe if we could just get all of our marriages to stay together, we'll be fine. No, because marriages don't save people. Properly parenting parents don't save children. So what do we need? More marriages and more family units to stay together? No, we need more godly marriages and more godly families. Now you see why I had to start where we started there with Luke, with Jesus saying, it's not about your family. It's not about how much you love and honor and respect your wife or your husband or your father or your mother. You can do all of that but if I am not first, that does not matter. This is not an extension of ladies' retreat. I wasn't there. I didn't hear any of it. Only little, little bits and pieces that my wife shared. That's it. I don't know anything that any speaker spoke about. But I, 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 I just want to say this. Part of a mother's godly role is to train children, teach and train children while they're young. Part of it. That is not a woman's only calling. That's not a mother's only calling. Because the moment the mother says, my children are my world and I only care and love them, I put them first. You're violating Luke chapter 14. He did include children in the list. There's a problem with loving your children more than God. And the problem is those children will not turn out godly. Yeah. 
They will turn out, at best, spoiled. And I won't even talk about the worst. But you think, hear me, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but we think, well, we're, we're, just, we're just supposed to train them right, teach them right, help them. And, and put all of my time and energy into that and hope that they turn out well. No, you're not. You are supposed to do what the Scripture says, which is seek ye the Lord. Seek Him first. Men, we don't, we don't look at marriage right or wrong, proper understanding. We don't, we, we, we don't look at that or fatherhood, or work, employment. We don't look at any of those things until we look at the Lord first. Seek Him first. Children. This is where it gets fun. Because the children seek the Lord through obedience to their parents. There's a little difference. I don't seek the Lord through obedience to my wife. She doesn't seek the Lord through obedience to me. We both seek the Lord, and he says, let me tell you how to have a proper marriage. I don't seek her about how to discipline our children. She doesn't seek me about how to discipline our children. We both seek the Lord, and he says, let me show you, let me tell you how to parent. Everybody say, seek the Lord. I just, I, I, I all of a sudden got this glimpse of Jesus when a person of any kind approaches him. Man, woman, old, young, single, married, gainfully employed or not, whatever it is. They go to him and say, Lord, Master, rabbi. And he's just got to look at them and smirk. I mean, he probably was better about not doing it than most of us. But he's got to be thinking, where do you want to start? But just think about for a second the rich young ruler that goes to the Lord and says, I've done all these things from my youth. I do this, I do that, I follow this, I follow that. And the Lord's got to be thinking, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with me commending you for doing all of that? Giving you props because you're rich but you still give? I mean, we can do that. And he, but he even tells them, only one thing you lack might as well start there. Your possessions are holding you back. Sell them, give them to the poor, and follow me. Oh, wait. Oh, following you is what this is about. I didn't know it was about following you. I thought it was about being the best me. I thought it was about making sure I get to heaven. That's what he said. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Tell me what I've got to do to get to heaven. That's, that, there's nothing wrong with that approach. The issue comes in our response to the answer. You want to go to heaven? Follow me. That's where I'm headed. I'll tell you how to get there. Forsake everything else. That's what I'm doing. Forsake Everything else. If I am not walking in truth, it doesn't matter who I am leading or where I think I am leading them. You can't excuse your command to walk in truth and substitute it for your focus on anything else. Being a good dad, being a good mom. 
You can't. I'm laying a little bit of a base here because I really feel like the scripture where the Lord took me today, Brother Timothy, if you'll put it up there, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. This verse, I don't just try to find verses people take out of context and correct them, okay? That's never my intention. But this verse, if nothing else, is so often taken out of context that we don't know really what it means. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I wish I would have just quoted it first without giving you the reference because I would have asked you, do you know who wrote that? Honestly, I figured it probably was Paul because he wrote most of the scriptures. And I thought, well, I know there's no way he's talking about his, his own children. But we, we, we put this scripture out there. Now, hear me. I'm not negating. I want my children to make it to heaven. I want them to be saved. I want them to be godly people. I want them to live the life that God wants for them. More than anything else except how much I love the Lord and how much I love my wife. I want that. But this, he, John, who wrote this verse, is not even talking about his children. I didn't take the time to study. If you want to, go for it. But I don't even know if he has kids or not. I don't even know if he was married or not. Go back to verse 1, if you will, please. We'll see who he's talking to. The elder, that's John, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, the, the word Gaius, as he mentioned a few different times in the New Testament, but we don't know if this Gaius is that Gaius or not. All we know is the Lord inspired John to write a letter to a guy named Gaius. We call it first, uh, Third John chapter 1. There's only one chapter. It's just about 10, 15 verses. So it's a short letter, but the Holy Ghost inspired the writer to write it. Therefore, it's for you. Say, it's for me. The elder to the beloved Gaius, who I love in the truth. Next verse. Beloved. He's really harping on that word. I love you. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. <laughs> Man, how many things can you wish above all? I want you to prosper. I want you to be in good health. Even as thy soul prospereth, I want good things for you. I love you and I want good things for you. Next verse. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Okay, so well, at least we know that when he says, I don't want anything more for you than this, he already knows he's living in the truth, right? Otherwise, he would have had to back up and say, well, the first thing I want is for you to get in the truth, and then I want you to prosper and be healthy. But no, he's saying, I already know you're in the truth. I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came to me and said, oh, Brother Gaius is living in truth. He's walking in truth. He's full of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is working in him. And John rejoices greatly for that. Even as thou walkest... In truth, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Every time any of the brethren bring me word that any of the children are living in the truth, I have no greater joy than that. I am joyed, overjoyed to know that the people that the Holy Ghost reached through our ministry are still living and walking in truth. That's what he says is my greatest joy. <laughs> Angels don't, don't uh, live in the realm of time like we do. I'm going somewhere with this. So the scripture says, there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. 
So the, the sinner repents, comes back to the Lord, and the angels rejoice. And we sit there and we're like, uh, give him a week. <laughs> that was probably too mean. You weren't ready for that. But why? Because we live in this thing called time. We live in the realm of time. And rather than rejoicing over a sinner that repents, we think, just give them time. And we'll see if they can stay here. So that's why John says, every time I hear a good report and know that a soul that was one to the truth is still in the truth, I am rejoicing over that. I have no greater joy. They call them children. Oh, let's go ahead and go there real quick. Galatians 4, 19. I, th I know this one was Paul. This term children is thrown at, it's not just talking about offspring, physical offspring. Paul says, my little children. In the book of Galatians, he writes this. So to the church of Galatia, he says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again. Well, that really blows a lot of theories because how is Paul birthing children? <laughs> Do I really got to go back there? Talk about what defines marriage again. Biologically, how is he having children? No. I, I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So my travail, my birthing, if you will, is to produce Christ in a person until Christ is formed in you. If I, if, if I could, and I mean, we're, we're not too far from that right now, but if I could talk to a room of young ministers that just, hey, I want to I wanna reach people and I want to preach and I want to use in the gospel and everything, I would try to say from my experience, best as I can tell, just from a few short years of doing this, that should be a key verse. If you're not willing to do that, you're really not cut out to minister. What do you mean? I, 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 I like to raise my voice. I like to talk like a minister. I like uh, to talk uh, like a preacher. -a. So... That's what, I'm that's what I'm pursuing. My daughter's going to tell me, I heard you yelling in there. You don't do that. <laughs> no, this is what a minister does. They do what it takes to see Christ formed in a person, and they do it as often as it's needed, as many times over as it's needed. Travail again. Again. What do you mean? I already taught him a Bible study. What do you mean? Oh, we already baptized that person. Oh, I was there when they prayed and they received the Holy Ghost. Nope. Until Christ is formed in them, you travail in birth again for them. So children. Children. It's not an offensive term. Don't take offense at that if you're over 40 and somebody calls you a child. No, in this sense, in this sense, they're talking about spiritual birthed children, new converts, those that have gone through a new birth. They are children until they grow. That's why Paul calls them my little children. That's why John says, I want my children to walk in truth. I have joy knowing that. Talking about truth, I'm talking about walking in truth. Go back, if you will, to 2 John. The, it, if there's not enough in 3 John for you, look at 2 John. This is a, about the most unique scripture, Bible, chapter that I've ever seen in the Bible. 2 John chapter, so pop quiz, who did he write 3 John to? Gaius. 
Let's see who he writes 2 John to. 2 John chapter 1, verse 1. If you know it, don't spoil it. But I don't know who knows it. I didn't know it. The elder unto the elect lady and her children. Doesn't even give her a name. The Holy Ghost needed to write a letter through John to a lady and to her children. Whom I love in the truth. Now this, this I don't know if we're going to get to get there today, but this word truth, if you haven't noticed yet, it pops up in almost every verse or every other verse that we're talking about. Truth. Everybody say truth. This elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Everybody that knows the truth loves this lady and her children. That's what he's saying. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Verse 4. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Sounds a lot like what he said about Gaius, right? In, in 3 John. I rejoice greatly. Why? Because I heard your children are walking in truth. The commandment that we received from the Father is being lived in those children. Verse 5, and now I beseech thee, lady. This is King James, in case anybody is wondering. This is not the message or something. This is King James, lady. I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to thee, that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment. That as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Walk in it. Everybody say walk. Walk in it. This is the commandment. What you've heard from the beginning, walk in it. That's pretty simple. I would think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yet, he's overjoyed every time he hears that somebody's doing it. Which to me, makes me wonder, is not everybody doing it? I mean, why are you so thrilled every time you find out that somebody is still walking in truth? Still living according to the word of God that was delivered them? Verse 10. Oh, we'll go to verse 7. Sorry. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. That, my friend, is why I am still thrilled to know every time somebody is walking in truth. Because there are there's one deceiver? No. Many. There are many deceivers. They want to go, oh, they want to go and they, they're smart enough to know that if I go to the children, they're going to be the easiest ones to deceive. If I can't get them, I'll move up to the parent. Because if I can deceive the parent, I'll also get the child. This is why the truth matters. This is why the truth matters. You got to know the truth. You have to know what it is. If you, how shall they hear without a preacher? You have to know what the truth is. If you're trying to parent children and you think, I, I want to do right, but I don't know what it is, 
Start with the truth. Start at Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And it's not enough to know that. Now that you know it, you have to respond. You have to act on it. And thou shalt love him. That is the truth. The truth is not just that there is one Lord. The truth is there is one Lord and you have to love him. Have to. I said have to. Yes, I use those words with my children. You have to. You know why? Because children are naturally curious and I don't even have to bring it up. They bring it up. What happens if I don't? I'm glad you asked. Let me teach you some more. That was truth. See, truth is a doorway to understanding. Truth is a doorway to knowledge and wisdom. The truth is there is only one God and you have a part to play in this story. Not there's only one God and he is and he was and he'll always be and he's just happy to be there. No, he wants you. I'm almost done. Truth is divine. There is a thing called divine truth. God is truth. He says it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is divine truth, and then there is a life that is in harmony with the truth. If he's truth, my life needs to be aligned with him so that I can say I'm walking in truth. This is what the commandment was, right? Walk in truth. Not just no truth. Walk in truth. There is the divine truth, and then there is my life lived in harmony with it. Walking. It, it, it's a habit of thinking and acting with truth. I'm going to try to be quick. I'm aware of the time. I don't know the first time I heard this, and I haven't heard it that many times, but when I hear it, it makes my blood boil when you assign a personal pronoun to truth, his truth, her truth, my truth. Oh, it makes my skin crawl. If that's the rules, why are we here? I can flick you on the ear because my truth, I'm not going to do it. My truth says I can do what I want. Well, his truth probably says he can get up and retaliate. So what is this thing called? Survival of the fittest? Mm -mm. I'm telling you right now, hear me in the Holy Ghost. There is one truth. Jesus prayed it. John 17, 17. Brother Timothy. Sanctify them through thy truth. There is one pronoun you are allowed to assign to truth. Thy truth. Thy word is truth. Do we, want, do we really want to play this game? Thy word is truth. Yeah, but my truth is... Or we give people a pass and say, well, he's just living his truth. You got to find your truth. Really. Here's the thing. There's many deceivers in the world, and you won't have any problem trying to find your truth if you just go out there and look for it. You got to know truth. Let me read this, and I'm going to try to be done. We have to distill the idea that truth is subjective. 
meaning how it seems to you. Your truth, my truth. There is one possessive pronoun. I already read that. To be subjective means based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. There, if, if, subjective, if truth is going to be subjective, it's going to change by person to person because of their experiences, because of their opinions, because of their taste. There cannot be subjective truth. You can find truth by revelation, but you can only walk in truth through understanding and conviction. Revelation just happens when the Lord wants it to happen, however he wants it to happen. I believe it usually it's a person that's seeking it, and then he reveals it. Oh, my goodness, now I know the truth. All right. The next step is walk in it. How do I do that? Oh, okay. I'm, uh, uh, how many times do I get to say I'm almost done? Because I am. I think a lot of times, this is me typing here. I think a lot of times the problem is we become lazy Christians because we want the method of how truth was revealed to us to be the same method that leads us in our daily walk. Truth was revealed by happenstance to me. So now, if I'm going to walk with the Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm going to live and I'm going to walk and I'm going to hope that he hits me upside the head with another two by four of truth so that I don't do what I was about to do. If he doesn't, well, you missed the revelation on that one. No. You know truth, but then you walk in truth. You walk in truth with understanding and conviction. You can stand with me. This is my last verse, I believe. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. I see this progression. To, really, to walk means to progress. You're making a progression. You're headed somewhere. I really want to pose this question to us all today. In our lives and in our walks with the Lord, are we actually headed anywhere? Is there a destination and am I taking the step? Because really that's what a walk is. Uh, imagine with me, if you would, please, if I told my children, hey, we're all going to go for a walk. Get your shoes on. Weather's nice. You don't need a coat. But we're going to go for a walk around the neighborhood. They're all ready. They're all standing at the door. And I say, all right, everybody ready for the walk? Yes, we're ready. Let's go. Go on. All right, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that I just opened this door, and imagine in your mind that we're going out the sidewalk. Don't go in the road. Now, isn't this such a nice day out here? Oh, look, the, the sky is so blue, and the grass is so green, and my kids are going to be like, come on, open the door. I'm ready to go. I want to actually walk. I, I mentioned that because I wonder how many times we convince ourselves my walk with the Lord is like, get my stuff on, get ready, close my eyes and just imagine, oh, how great it would be to walk with you. Man, it would be so wonderful, Lord, to be led by you. What must that feel like, God, to have a relationship with you and know you're leading me? Oh, I hear the microwave. Thanks for the walk, Lord. That was fun. 
trying to be mean or pick on anybody. But a walk is you take one foot and put it in front of the other and you literally progress towards a destination. If I'm walking in truth, oh, this is why John could say, I'm thrilled to know that my children are walking in truth. They're progressing in their life with the Lord. They are literally with their spirits engaged, saying, lead me, Lord. Teach me. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding, and I will walk with you. The commandment of the Lord is the truth you've, you've heard and received. Walk in it. I want us all to pray. I'm going to open these altars. I'll give you a chance if you want to come to the front and pray or if you want to pray in your seat. I just want you to respond to the Lord because I know He is here speaking to us. He wants to lead us. Every eye closed. Come on. Find a place to pray. Find a place to get alone with the Lord. Lord, I'm praying right now that you sanctify me in your truth. Sanctify me in your truth, God. Cleanse me, Lord. Wash me in the truth, Lord Jesus. Let the truth be the prevailing factor in my life, God. Get these principles of your word into my mind and into my spirit. God, I want to know them. I want them to be established in my heart. I want them to be established in my mind, Lord Jesus. That I know this is your word. That I know this is your spirit. This is your truth, God. Thy word is truth, Jesus. God, I'm not trying to convince you of anything I think or anything that I feel. God, I want your truth to be the prevailing factor in my life. God, I want to know the truth, the truth of your word and who you are. In the name of Jesus, come on, lift up your voices to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Pray to him. I know the Lord's listening when you pray. I know he hears the cry of your heart. Hey!
that says know the truth and the truth will make you free amen the thing about deception and lies is it puts us in a place of bondage but the spirit of truth desires for us to be free Man, to walk in freedom, to walk in liberty. Amen. Can we just continue to thank the Lord for a moment this morning? God, we thank you for the anointing of your spirit, the anointing of the spirit of truth that is here today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We magnify you. You are truth and you're absolute. We don't have to have any question. We don't have to have any doubt. We're in the safety of your word. and We're in the safety of your presence. We know that in your presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. just fellowship with the Lord for a moment with every eye closed Jesus we thank you Jesus we thank you we thank you for your freedom Father 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. for every every individual who has shown and, and responded with hunger this morning. As, as Elder mentioned, he made the statement that he believes, and I believe it too, that revelation typically comes. It can come in an instant when we're not expecting it, but it's typically going to come when we're pursuing it in some way or another. And I believe that there's been a, a spirit of, of pursuit here today and, and many of us. And I believe the Lord's just, just reaching with mercy. And I, I feel like that's sort of why I feel a, just a momentary pause myself because his, his mercy is, is new every morning. And so it's new today. But he also has a, we, each of us also have an appointed time. And we do live in the realm of time. And so it's important that we daily choose, okay, today his mercy's new, so today I'm going to walk in that newness of mercy and I don't know if maybe I don't, I don't know if there's anyone who's maybe on the fence in any way this morning but I want to I want to leave this place having responded to his mercy to his truth amen and continue this walk day by day walking in truth walking with truth amen the path of righteousness jesus one more time can we just thank the lord father i thank you thank you for your outstretched arm this morning your arm that's not short jesus your hand that's not slack jesus and we thank you for your mercy that's new every morning be responsive to it today, Jesus, and in the area of my heart, in the area of my life, Jesus, that I'm living in deception. I want it to be yielded to you today. Father, continue to work in me. Continue, I pray, the liberty and the authority of the Word of God would continue in the hearts and the minds of every individual, every listener today every person in this congregation and every individual that's listened online every person that will listen god i pray the spirit of truth the spirit of truth that would search our hearts in the name of jesus i pray search us oh god see if there be any wicked ways within us i pray in the name of jesus in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. Feel free, if you're praying, feel free to continue to pray. Have a blessed rest of your day, and we will see you here on 7 o'clock Tuesday night for, for Bible study, amen. God bless.